Welcome to the Disaster Potty Podcast. Where three friends come together to talk about the things they enjoy and, the ex- and their experiences behind them. Life could be a disaster, might as well make it a party. Welcome to the Disaster Party Podcast. Oh, whoa, Daddy, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let them boys explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the comfort of your phone and or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Oh, whoa, daddy, what up, pod world? Them boys, them boys, them boys are back at it again. Oh, whoa, daddy, do I feel great because we are on episode eight. It's your boy, Andy Bivians. That's B-I-V-I-A-N-S, the one and only. Joined alongside me is... Rob Cedeno. That's C-E-D-E-N-O, baby. And uh, Andy, that was pretty good with that 808 thing, that, that rhyme that you just said. Why, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, anyways, and... And Sean, S-E-A-N. See what I did there? I love it. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Just following you guys' lead. That's all I'm doing here. <laughs> Word. So how how were you, was uh, your guys Xmas? No, Christmas was fantastic. Sean, uh, Christmas is good. You know, um, I love Christmas. I'm a Christmas guy, and um, you know, we didn't have our big normal get together that we do this year for obvious reasons. Um, it was just the four of us, and my mother-in-law came over for a couple hours, um, but it was great. Everybody, uh, there's a lot of smiles on the kids' faces, um, and I can't complain at all. It was a nice, relaxing day, which is what I needed. <laughs> very, very nice. I did a three-day Christmas extravaganza, not by necessarily choice, but we did uh, Christmas Eve with my dad. Christmas Day with her mom and her sisters, and then Christmas Day after with her dad and family. So it was a it was a lot of family in three days, but it's only like it was one person, three, and then four. So it wasn't like any big thing. But I will say I am glad to be over it to be over with because <laughs> a lot of you know I just like I, I like relaxing and spending time just back and forth. And again with with banks, like everyone's like, oh my god, oh my god, especially with what was going on last year. So you just wanted was, the downtime to kind of appreciate. Having him at home this year, don't you? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But you know what? It was fun. Uh, again, he wasn't in the hospital like last year. We got to see small bits of family at spread out. And Banks was loving opening gifts. So, I mean, it was a good year. It's a good year. Very good. Nice. Yes, so, I feel like I'm going to take the reins on this one. Oh, God. Ladies and gentlemen, you should stop listening now. If you do not 
I repeat, do not want spoilers about what we are about to talk about. Wait a second. What are we about to talk about? Oh, do tell. you didn't know? Do tell. Do tell. See, this I, is episode I don't know if I'm prepared, eight. bro. This is episode eight. Eight, 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 eight. And there's <laughs> one, two, three. Well, I mean, there was four of us, but now there's three of us. But this is episode eight represent, representing... 84, we are talking about Wonder Woman 1984 tonight. And ladies and gentlemen, if you do not want spoilers, please pause it right now, go watch the movie, and then resume it and let us know what you thought. Again, spoilers are ahead. This is your stop sign or your yield sign, whichever one you normally listen to more. Pause, yield, spoilers are ahead. Can't say we didn't warn you. Again, warning, warning, warning. This is the point in your life. There's a fork in the road. You have two choices. Spoilers, not spoilers. And you can't sue us if you make the wrong choice. That's facts. With that being said, you know what I wish I can do? I wish I could add, like, right to censors music on here to, like... (laughs) Like 60 seconds, just so it gets so annoying that they get the fact that there are spoilers coming ahead because we need spoilers because this episode is full of spoilers. Just let's wow. say, wait, 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 what word are you saying? Because I can't understand. It sounds like you're coughing or something. Spoilers. <laughs> oh, is that, oh. Is, are you saying spoilers? I think it's spoilers. Ah, ah, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, I think so, if you played the right to censor music for 60 seconds, that'll be the end of this podcast forever. <laughs> but it's for it's for spoilers. But you even know? the people who want to listen to the spoilers, it's going to spoil the entire podcast for them. Hmm, that's true. I feel like we've that's... said this word a lot of times, so maybe just one more time, and then we should move forward. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Okay, let's move forward. <laughs> now, if you are still listening, it is your fault, not ours. Remember, we are a disaster. You now listening to this are listening to a disaster, and now we're about to talk about Wonder Woman. Let's go. So, boys, what did you think overall, Andy? I thought it. I thought it was. Oh man, how do I put this? I thought it was good, in the sense of I'm watching a superhero movie. As a fan of DC Comics. And a fan of the Justice League. And probably the only person out there that is a fan of what they did with the Justice League and Batman vs. Superman, how they brought Wonder Woman in. I'm going to say I'm pretty disappointed. I am going to have to agree. Um, I have a lot of mixed feelings about this. And unfortunately, mostly on the negative side. Um, I guess if you were to watch this as just a casual fan, not really knowing the history of a lot of these characters, or to go even maybe a little further, if you're just a casual movie fan, um, I'm sure this was enjoyable, but we are self-proclaimed, you know, a little bit, you know, nerds over here. So we, you know, the three of us know more about, you know, the history and like the origin stories of a lot of these characters and whatnot um i gotta say i I was disappointed as well i'm gonna have to 
Uh, agree. Honestly, I I uh, I enjoyed the first one a lot more. There was a lot of like, what the fuck's going on in the movie, and we'll definitely get into that. And even the ending is like, wait, wouldn't this ending affect like everything that's come before it in the movie universe? And it, yeah, it just, it just left me, especially after what happened and how, how many people like truly were on the same page about the first one. This one left me kind of being like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. So, um, spoiler alert, we're not too happy with it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I, I will say if you again if you go into it as just I'm gonna go watch a movie don't know what's going on you might still enjoy it but there's also many reasons that it's not as enjoyable even if you don't know all the comic book stuff and again we'll 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 get into that stuff too alright so let's dive in Let's do it. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna run through the movie because we wanna we wanna describe everything. We don't wanna miss anything. So we're gonna go through, guys. Like, let me know if you what you think when, when I when I hit it when I hit a point. Okay. So, so the movie opens up with her as a child remembering her child, her childhood with a voiceover, and she says, "You can't see what you're learning until you come out the other side." So then it pans over the island that, you know, the island that they expose on the first, on, in the first movie. And it goes into this giant golden arena. And you just see these people training, throwing things, jumping. But then you have a whole crowd of just cheering. So it's, it's almost like a tri- triath- triathlon. So there's like running, swimming, horseback riding, uh, javelin throwing, like all this stuff. So one thing that I was like, what is going on at this point is that. It's Diana as a child. It's like Wonder Woman as a child. And she just walks up to the starting point of this triathlon, stands next to everybody else. No one really stops her. And then her aunt's just like, you ready for this? And she's like, yeah, I'm good. And that was like, that was it. But guys, correct me if I'm wrong. In the first movie, doesn't her mom say she doesn't want her training? Well, you're right. And here's what I will say about that. I did actually enjoy the beginning of this. You know, it's showing, it's kind of, you know, going back to showing how she got her start. But with what you just said, her mom didn't want her training to be a warrior. This is just participating in some kind of competition, some athletic competition. So I think there is a difference there. But she had to learn how to throw a javelin, be good at, at archery, bone arrows, uh, basically know how to horse, horse ride successfully while shooting a bow so like these are not just like everyday things and the people that they're all wearing warrior armor well let's not forget they're a special breed of people but then go look at the people in the audience okay that's fine but again they're they're, in my view they're a special breed of people you can i mean there's plenty you can do all that stuff here in the real world just casually and be very good at it so I think there yes. is a difference between training. Yes, I get the correlation. However, I do think there's a difference between training to be a warrior and going into battle and risking your life 
versus somebody who's just naturally gifted and good at these things and wants to compete. Okay. Okay. I yeah, I agree. I think it was just like the normal almost like the normal X games for them, so to speak. Like they weren't going she wasn't training for fighting. She was just training to be the top um I guess you would call her like an athlete, technically, um, for what they did. All right, so let me let me finish off this scene. So the race starts and she's leading the entire race. This little girl who's got to be like 12 years old next to these grown women who are probably like mid to late 30s, mid to late 20s. Right. So she is leading the, the pack the whole time. And then all of a sudden she gets, you know, she does the, the flips, the, she jumps into the water, swims, gets on the horse. And then she's do, she's riding the horse. She, in my opinion, she gets a little cocky, looks back at the people behind her, and then gets smacked with a tree branch because she runs into it. Her, her, her horse runs off, and she's like, well, what am I supposed to do? She finds this little, like, ramp gimmick, and she's like, oh. If I go down the ramp gimmick, I can cut ahead of everybody, get on my horse, and still win, right? So that's essentially what she does. She goes down the ramp, hops on the horse, and she's heading to the finish line. And as she's, she gets off the horse and she's running to the finish line, she grabs the javelin, and then her aunt just pulls her away to make her lose. And now, again, this 12-year-old girl is screaming, like, it's not fair. It's not fair. And the aunt's like, this is your life lesson. And this is, like, the lesson of the whole movie is truth, you can't take I you think. can't take shortcuts. You can't cheat to get what you want. You have to earn it. And I will say a funny I don't know if it's a funny little thing or not, but that uh the little ramp gimmick that you were referring to, I think it was some kind of like a drainage thing down the side of the mountain. And there was no water in it. And this it looked like it was made of stone or concrete. <laughs> and this little girl <laughs> slid down this thing like fifty miles an hour, probably like a couple hundred feet down this thing, and had zero 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 road rash on her tiny little bottom. <laughs> She's a warrior princess, man. <laughs> but I think it does set up the, I think it sets up the movie perfectly because Wonder Woman's whole deal is, you know, the lasso of truth. And in order for her to wield the lasso of truth, I mean, she's got to understand it and pretty much run her life by truth Honor that. to be able to yeah, to be able to make everything work. So I think it actually set up everything perfectly in that first scene. Okay, okay. All right, so now we're going to fast forward. That's what the movie does. It fast forwards to the 80s. And this is where we get introduced to the main baddie, Max Lord, in an infomercial. And he's basically a salesman trying to sell basically... I don't know, guys. What do you want to call it? Like self confidence, motivational groups. I like have no one idea. of these guys that's trying to like sell some kind of procedure or path or thought process to success. Mm-hmm. And the, and this guy is actually being played by Pedro Pasquale, the guy who is a Mandalorian. Yep. Yep. Like I say, um, his. And we're going to get into this more, obviously, but I think this guy's performance is probably the the brightest spot and the brightest thing in the movie. Like, he was phenomenal throughout this movie. Like, his acting, his performance, I loved it. Oh, I agree. I agree. And everything, you, 
throughout the movie, you start to see like his progression and with his progression ups his performance. And I think like he hit everything spot Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But this is where my problems like really started with the movie, to be honest, guys. I, I mean, d- <laughs> agree to disagree, but let me run through it. So this is where the movie starts to feel like a, a real 80s film with like the, in, in my opinion, over the top acting. Um, and in the beginning, people, uh, this woman's in danger because a car's about to hit her and Wonder Woman saves somebody. And then these kids go to steal some stuff from a store. They run out and they accidentally knock over a bride who was taking her like wedding photos off a bridge. Wonder Woman uses the lasso and saves her. And, you know, it just shows little scenes like that. Then we get into the mall. Okay, so in the mall, this is what I saw in the mall. There's people doing yoga in the mall. Uh, There's arcades in the mall. There's payphones in the mall. Some of the stores I noticed was Walden Books, J.C. Penney's, and McDonald's. But the real thing about this whole scene is two guys go into a jewelry store, and they're basically robbing the jewelry store. They say they want to see the stuff in the back because they know there's something valuable there. So the lady lets them in the back. They go into the back room. They take something. They don't show what it is. So they, they take something. And then they walk out of the store with two bags. They well, if, pass- I, if, I, if I could cut you off there for one second. They did, like, when they went into that back room and the camera kind of pans, like, across the room a little bit, you do see what they took, like, you know, before they got to it. The camera just kind of pans across it. It's sitting on a shelf. Well, I'm saying, like, we don't know as the viewer knows exactly what they're taking yet. Got it. Yeah. So they walk outside. They pass each bag to another one of their robber friends, and they end up going in different directions. One of the guys who just grabbed the bag, he starts running off, and a gun falls out of his pocket or whatever. And a woman sees the gun, and that's where this whole scene gets all chaotic. So then, basically... The robber, the robber's panicking. The people are panicking. The the police off the mall cops who have guns. I mean, I, they seem like mall cops to me, but they pulled out guns. Um, so they're trying to chase after them. This guy grabs a little girl, shoves her over the balcony, and holds her, and is threatening to to let her go. This is where I was like, "What the fuck is happening?" Because you got this guy holding her. You got people on the other balcony going, no, you got the original one of the original robbers screaming on the other side like he's going, what are you doing? And then the other guy's going, no. And it was like over the top, way overacted. And I'm like, honestly, I thought that it was in like a movie, like it was a movie in a movie. Yes. Okay. This is also where I started having a lot of issues with the movie myself. So. Yes, we know the movie takes place in the 80s. And I think part of the effort here is that they were trying to make it really look like an 80s movie. But I don't think they did it very well. Like, not only did this movie look like it was in the 80s, it looked like this movie was actually made in the 80s. And there's a few things over the over the last few years I've been able to pull that off. I think Stranger Things pulls this off very well. Where not only does it take place in the 80s, it's full-blown nostalgia but it kind of does feel like one of those like kids adventure type movies from the eighties. This did not pull it off. This was not good. They went too over the top and too ridiculous and too hokey with it. 
to the point where it was it was kind of a turnoff, you know? So after, you know, the guy, all the people are screaming, then obviously Wonder Woman comes swinging in like Spider-Man. And she knocks out all the cameras. She plops in front of the two guy, the the guys with the original two. They had guns, or and she was like, "We're not doing that today." Knocks the guns out of the way, and she's just like swinging through the mall like Spider Man, legit. Like that's what it looked like to me. And then all of a sudden, she she lands in this spot, and this little girl looks at her and smiles. She grabs this little girl and just like. <laughs> tosses her and this little girl just goes sliding on the floor crashes into a big fucking teddy bear <laughs> and this little girl is just smiling like this is the best day of my life and so she's like wonder woman's battling these bad guys blah 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 and then this and then all of a sudden you see wonder woman and she looks at the little girl that she just threw and they both just smile at each other and you're like what the fuck is going on <laughs> and then everyone's just smiling and everyone's all happy, and then that scene ends. Okay, so here's where I have an issue. First off, before I get to the end scene issue, um, <laughs> she, I think what I did like was her suit, If correct me if I'm wrong, was a nod to the TV suit. Or at least to me it looked like it. Plus she was wearing heeled boots. Like they were boots. <laughs> But they were designed as heels, but they were still boots. So that didn't make any sense to me. Um, uh, it was it looked dope, but it didn't make any sense. It's, it's so funny you mentioned the heels because my wife grew up. She was a Wonder Woman kid girl when she was a little kid. She loves Linda Carter and all that. And ever since the first movie that came out a few years ago, the very my wife has been complaining and griping the whole time that she is furious that they had to put Wonder Woman in heels. Like, what's the point of that? What's the practicality of that? Like, this woman looks amazing. Why do they have to take it that far to pull, like, some kind of, you know, maybe a sexist move or something, you know, and put her in heels? It's completely unnecessary. It's not practical, not functional. My argument to that with her has been, well, I mean, it just shows how much of a badass as she is that she could do all this stuff in heels. And she doesn't, she doesn't take that argument lightly. She says it's completely unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole the whole Wonder Woman theme, too, was like women, women empowerment, you know? Yeah. And I think they just wanted to add that little bit of, I guess, sexiness to Wonder Woman. But, but here's where I really had a problem. And I don't know, Rob, if this is the next thing you were going to say. But so at the end of the scene, right, the scene cuts to a different scene mm-hmm. where they're outside. And she literally took three bad guys, maybe four, (laughs) dropped them out of a window, and they went through a car. The last couple movies I've seen when people are dropped out of a window onto a car that explodes, I might add you, they are dead. There is nothing you can tell me that explains otherwise (laughs) on how she drops them out of probably like a three-story window through a car that explodes and they're still alive. Well, here's the thing too. She was dropping the bad guys off to the police. Why did she drop them on the police car? She killed the bad guys on the police car and wasn't taken into custody. Oh. Well, they couldn't find her. That's the that's the trick. 
because that's... basically right after that is when they the the news stations were like this is the uh i don't know like sixth or seventh time that a mysterious woman has saved the day does anyone know who this woman is but as as the as the the news station saying that we actually now we end up at Diana's apartment. So she basically appears on her balcony, which her apartment looks like it's like on the top floor with a full ba- uh, full balcony. And as she's walking in, it, the camera pans over a, f- a couple of photos. One of the photos is a wedding, but you really can't make out like whose wedding it was. And then it's a photo of her and an older lady. Then a photo of like uh post like after she her and Steve saved save people. And then it was a picture of Steve, who is the her love interest from the first movie. And then all of a sudden then it pans over to a photo of her at Trevor Ranch and Steve's watch from the first movie that he gave to her is sitting right in front of that photo. Which I don't know what any of those photos mean, but I just I you know I wanted to. Did you guys know any of those photos? What any of them represented? I think so. I think there was a group shot there, and I think that's the group of guys that her and Steve um, fought alongside in the first movie during World War One. Um, the wedding, no clue. The uh, older lady uh, doesn't ring any bells. Um, but yeah, I think that there's kind of a group photo there. Steve, that's the obvious one, and his watch, obvious. But again, the group photo. I do believe those were the guys that. They that that was their little group for the previous movie. You just said something that I'm gonna have to hit on later on because I completely missed the watch. I did see the group photo, which the group photo looked like it had somebody else in it that I have no idea who they were. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I didn't recognize like any someone of them. in the front because if you if you remember in the first one, Diana's got that like fur jacket or like that jacket on when she takes the photo. But it looked like there was a dude in front with the jacket on. I could be wrong. It might have been Diana, but it didn't look like the same photo used in the first now one. You're saying, now, now Andy's saying Wonder Woman looks like a dude. I mean, Dude looks like a lady, bro. Oh. All right. So wow. now we're coming up to another scene that I was like, why the fuck is this here? So <laughs> <laughs> the next scene shows Diana at a restaurant by herself. But as it's panning into her, getting closer to her, you see a couple, like a guy standing in in the sidewalk and a woman like jumps into his arms. And then you see another couple kissing passionately. And then you see all these couples all happily sitting at tables, holding their hands, showing how much they love each other. And then she's sitting there all alone. And then the waiter comes up and goes, are you expecting anybody? And she goes, no, just me. Then the waiter just takes the rest of the plates and the, and the place setting and the cups and just removes it from the table. And then that scene ends. Well, I think the reason they did that was to put over the fact that, that she's that, single. Well, no, not only that she's single is that everybody has a love interest and she still misses Steve so much. That's why they showed the picture in the first time with Steve's watch and she was looking at it because she misses the love of her life. Like he, he, he died and he's not able to share that with her. And I think that's what they were trying to get over with that. And I think it's one of those things too, where it's like, you know, just in life sometimes the way, you know, maybe the world or the universe messes with you. Like when you want something so bad and you can't have it for whatever reason, 
It's almost like it's constantly thrown in your face. So here she is. You know, it's, it is a little ridiculous that it's 70 years later and she is still mourning the loss of this guy, the love of her life. I get that. But it's been 70 years. But the fact that she can't have him and, you know, the relationship that she wants with him and just love is just, like, thrown in her face from all directions. Yep. So the next scene is now we're following a nerdy lady. We don't know who she is yet. She seems to be, you know, a little nerdy, maybe lacks confidence. And, you know, what would, you know, people would maybe categorize her as a loser. Her name is Barbara Maverna, right? Is that if I'm saying that right? Minerva. 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 Okay. She so she walks into, you know, this building. She ends up dropping her suitcase and all this paperwork falls on the floor and people just walk by her and all of a sudden Diana comes over and helps her pick up the papers. So, you know, Diana's like, oh, the, no, Barbara's like, oh, I'm not very good in heels. Uh, scientists shouldn't be wearing heels. And then obviously Diana's like, well, some of us do. And she has cheetah print heels. So then this lady comes out, you know, sees Diana and goes, oh, Diana, do you know Barbara Maverno? Is that, again, if I'm saying wrong, Minerva. Whatever. <laughs> I'm just going to say Barbara. I'm just going to say Barbara. M-I-E-R-V-A. <laughs> Okay. Anyways, Barbara, wow. she's looking for Barbara, not realizing that Barbara's right in front of her. And so it, it, they kind of make it seem like Barbara's a little bit forgettable. And then Barbara says, oh, you know, I started a week ago and you interviewed me multiple oh, times. My God, this is infuriating. So, <laughs> so all of a sudden, all of a sudden, now this lady goes, oh, the FBI is dropping off artifacts that Barbara has to examine, which – they, which they have that, which is when the stone appears, you know, the one that they panned over at the, the jewelry store. And so they they talk about it and they're like, oh, this is a wishing stone. And they talk about the rumors of the stone. But Diana jokingly makes a wish in her head. You could see, like, hoping that it was real. She makes a wish in her head saying she knows what she would wish for. And, you know, they kind of just laugh at it like, oh, if this was only true. And then all of a sudden it pans very quickly back to Diana's apartment. To Steve's watch, and then it shakes. Ooh. Ooh. Well, also missed that. Well, first of all, fuck that lady in the office. The lady that forgot who she was when she hired her a week ago. And then when she went to walk away from the scene, she still forgot her name again. So that was just obnoxious and fuck that lady anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it was awesome that um, she noticed that Diana was wearing cheetah print heels. And I think that kind of sets up the tone for everything later on in the movie. I did, however, miss the part where um, Steve watch, Steve's watch started to shake. Um, Sorry, I got it. I found it for you. <laughs> All right. So then because they had this little like friendly banter about the stone, Diane and Barbara go to dinner and, you know, they talk about, you know, uh, did have, Barbara goes, have you ever loved anyone? And, you know, Diana says, yeah, she loved a pilot and blah, blah, blah. She was, so she asked Barbara and she goes, I'm in love all the time. And it just made it. And then she just kind of was like fangirling over Diana saying like, oh, you're so cool. You're, you must be so popular. And Diana's like, no, I don't really go out. So it's just kind of like Diana, who doesn't really go out because obviously, you know, she's alone and she's just still mourning. And then you have this girl, Barbara, who is kind of a – again, nerdy person who doesn't seem to be 
doesn't seem to have that many friends, and she's just like fangirling over this girl that she essentially just met, just saying like how cool she was and how how guys probably flock all over her and stuff. But the real scene really starts after their dinner, and Barbara's walking walking home, and it kind of shows a little bit more of her character. So she's walking home, and she's walks past a uh, you know a homeless guy, and they seem to know each other, and Barbara hands him the leftovers, and you know they say thank you, blah blah blah. So as she continues to walk, this drunk guy starts harassing her, and then goes to put his arms around her, and she starts struggling and struggling, and then it looks like she's about to faint. And basically, very quickly, the guy gets shoved away very quickly, and Diana ends up catching her. And when she wakes up, when Barbara wakes up, she's like, what? And, and Diana's like, oh, I forgot my keys, and I just so happened to come back this way. And she goes, how did he end up over there? And she goes, oh, I just used his own momentum against him. <laughs> I mean, you know, he misstepped. What, what can you say? So from there, Barbara goes back to her office and she's looking at this stone, you know, hopefully wishing that this is real. And she basically wishes she was as cool and powerful and just like Diana. So the wind, some wind out of nowhere just thrust through her hair, which continues to happen to everybody who ends up making a wish. Like their just hair gets all sh- like whoosh. It's a little then, breeze. It's a little breeze. I want to say thrust. It's a little. It's a nice little breeze, though. <laughs> it moves their hair, so it's a pretty strong breeze, and these people don't seem to notice anything. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> where did this come from? Yeah. <laughs> I'm inside so, with the windows closed. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> so then it flashes back to Diana's apartment, and she's sleeping with Steve's watch right next to her. And again, the watch moves again. Ooh. So then it's the next morning and Barbara, uh, I guess she ends up falling asleep at her desk. And then this is where things get a little different. So she wakes up and she starts to walk outside of her office and suddenly uh, a janitor of some sort spills water on the floor. Barbara's in heels and she actually ends up jumping over the water onto a chair and then walks off without getting wet. And the janitor goes, oh, you must be pretty good in those heels. But again, if you remember a couple scenes before, she said she's terrible in heels. So this is this is another thing that I was like, what is happening? So she ends up walking into the main area of the office. And that lady that ended up forgetting her ends up walking into this into the room with Max Lord, the guy that we met at the on the info infomercial. And she says that Max personally requested Barbara to because he's thinking about donating to uh, the facility and he wants a personal tour from her. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I had a little problem with this because one, how does he know her by name? And two, how would she be able to give a tour if she only started a week ago? I think it's the same. Now that I'm thinking about this, I think it's the same reason that the person who forgot her name, who interviewed her, 50 million times. Uh, it's that same reason now remembers her name. It's because when she made the wish on the stone, she wanted to be like Diana. Everybody loves and adores Diana and everybody knows who Diana is and has um, an infatuation with them. So I think in that same aspect, now we kind of sort of see things changing to where people know who she is and like, thinks that she can do everything, which is the reason why he quote-unquote named her by name. So 
And on top, and also on top of that, um, you know, when she when they originally showed her the day before walking in, she says hi to this guy kind of in a giddy way, and the guy just completely blows her off. And now the following day, the dude is like all like kind of giddy with her now. True. True. So the wish, so the wish changes like everything. How people, she wanted to be like Diana, so now people see her like they see Diana. But it still doesn't explain how she can give a full tour, even though she only has been working there for a week. Well, I mean, if she wanted to be like Diana, Diana knows that place, and now she knows that place. I guess that might be that might be, that might be a stretch, but <laughs> reaching, <laughs> reach. <laughs> All right. So then, from there, he ends up. You know, Barbara ends up leading him, and they. She's like, "Oh, let me just go get something from my office real quick." He follows her to the office. He sees the stone sitting right on her desk, and then he starts getting real flirty with her because you know, obviously, with the intention to get the stone because he's the bad guy of the movie. Everyone, spoilers. He's so, a mastermind. Exactly. So Diana walks into the room and sees them flirting, and obviously, this guy is a pretty egotistical guy, and he assumes that Diana knows who he is, and she's just like playing him off like no big deal, and she goes, "I don't have a TV, so I don't know who you are," and he goes, "I can get you a 19-inch TV at the by the end of the day." <laughs> and she declines and goes, "I think I'm okay with the non-existent TV that I have." So he gets all flustered and he start he invites them both to a party, which, if I remember correctly, Diane Diana re- declines, but Bar- Barbara accepts. So quickly from that scene, it flashes over to Max's office and he rushes in and he's ignoring the girl at the front desk who's trying to get his attention. He grabs the mail. He gets into the elevator and he's looking through the mail and he see and this is how it kind of shows what, what his storyline's going to be. He see, you see a bunch of like past due bills and it's like overdue, overdue. So you could see that maybe his business is not actually as successful as he's playing it. This enormous conference room work, like work area Several tables, phones, like everything that clearly have not been touched or used in several months. Exactly. If ever. So then he walks in and his son Alistair Alistair is there and, you know, he's talking to his son. He's making all these big promises of, oh, I'm going to be this. I'm going to be this. And his son, again, is probably what, like seven, six. He doesn't know. Like he kids don't care. But. As, as he's saying all this stuff to his son, Simon, his business partner, says, stop lying to your son, saying that his oil rigs are empty and nobody wanted them in the first place. And Max is talking back to him, saying he promises that he's going to fix it. He has a solution. And Simon goes, I give you 48 hours and calls him a loser on the way out the door in front of his son. So then Max is like, I'm not a loser. Don't believe anything this guy says. So what do you, anything on that scene? I thought, I thought it was a good, like, it was because you actually because you said that you know he you said earlier that he's like he's eyeing the stone and flirting with her and i think um it kind of shows where he starts off to then i mean we'll get to it later on but from where he starts off to how it builds and the reason behind why he wants to get to where he's going well, again, like you go back to that infomercial in the beginning when he's like pushing self-confidence and success and all these things. But then when you're actually in his place of business, he's none of those things. 
here's this guy selling something that he is not he's not even himself. That's true. Mm-hmm. Also, to bring it back uh, a little bit, when Diana and Barbara and him were all together, and he invites Diana to the party and talks about the TV, you can also see a little hint of jealousy from Barbara towards Diana because she wants to take all of his attention. That's true. That's true. That That is very true. So once we leave Max's office, conference room, giant build, empty building, uh, we flash to Diana doing research on the stone. And, you know, she's like, oh, like you could see that she's like, oh, I need to go get the stone. So she goes to find it in the box in like the storage area that it arrived in and it's gone. Which we know it's in Barbara's office. So then she goes to um, a store where Barbara is trying to get clothes. Or no, then it flashes to a store that um, that Barbara's trying to unclose. And then this person's like, oh, that looks really good on you. And you could see that the whole confidence is switching. And she's starting to like feel herself more. And so her wish is coming true. And I think she's starting to notice it. Yeah. And not to sound like a pig, but uh, Chris and Wig look damn good at <laughs> so after that scene, uh, basically we see Diana show up to the party and, you know, she's in this white, like kind of revealing dress. And these guys are, you know, as soon as she walks in, these guys are like googling eye over her. But obviously her tension is to find Max because she believes that Max has it. So next Barbara comes in and she's actually getting attention and obviously she's not used to it. And she's kind of like being a little bit, still a little bit shy about it. She's taken aback by it. She's not, she, like you said, she's not used to it yet. Yeah. So as, Di- yes. as Diana's looking for Max, Max actually finds Barbara first. And he starts flirting, 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 Mr. Flirty over there. And pretty much within like 30 seconds of their convo, he's like, we should get out of here. We should go to your office. He wanted the world Come on, bro. Pretty obvious. And you're basically going after this desperate girl. And basically, they end up in her office. And you could tell he's not. Well, I don't know about you, you guys, but it made it, they made it pretty clear that he, like, didn't even want to touch her. She, he, like, almost looked disgusted, like, even kissing her because he's, like, looking everywhere for this stone. Oh, of course. And, of course, she's falling for it because, you know, people are starting to make wishes just kind of half-heartedly, maybe sarcastically or, you know, not seriously at all because they don't believe that this thing is real and you know here it is like you said she's not used to this attention yet and she's kind of being a little taken aback and still very you know shy about it because again she made this wish and who was the thing like would anybody in their right minds actually think that any of that stuff was going to happen especially just like overnight you wake up the next morning and everything is completely think about it this way when you see those movies where they do the whole transformation where they got like the glasses on the braces the hair all messed up then they have like (laughs) the 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 full-blown like wardrobe done over and now they're this like gorgeous girl walking down that everybody's eyeing and googling remember in the beginning she dropped her papers and then when she met him when he when he was first introduced he went to go make the um, his like his slogan or catchphrase, and she knew exactly who he was. So not only is she starting to get people's mm. attention, now she's got the attention from a TV personality that she already admired. Of course, she's gonna want to go for it because she was looking for love. She was looking for somebody to notice her. 
Now somebody she knows who's famous notices her. She's going to take full advantage of that. And it's not giving anybody else the attention that he's giving to her. You know, this movie, you know, we can sum this up right now. This movie was she's all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not far off. So right after that point, when they show them in the office real quick, it, it ends up going back to the party. And they introduce a character very quickly who actually plays a quick role later on. Um, it introduces a character that apparently knows Diana. And he's basically saying, oh, I work at the White House now. If you ever need a tour, just, just let me know. And she's like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And kind of just like shrugs him off. So she's still over there looking for Max, not realizing that he left. And then all of a sudden, this dark-haired guy starts saying, Diana, Diana. And she's like, go away. Leave me alone. Because, again, she's getting her, like, you know, guys are all over her. And this guy says he, She's like, only got one guy on her mind. That's it. Yes. So this guy, like, re- recreates, like, the last memory together and basically, like – takes off his watch, hands it to her and kind of, you know, says a line and she's like, oh my god, this is, this is, that's what Steve said. And then all of a sudden the camera pans around him and now he looks like Steve from the first movie. But originally he wasn't. It was a different actor, different person, like, different character. And then just pan and now it's Steve. So that kind of was a little weird. It's almost like Steve's consciousness is in this guy and Diana wants it to be Steve physically so bad that she basically imagines that it is. I think I think he become I think Steve becomes this guy. Everybody else sees him as Steve as well. But here's another major I guess moral issue I have with this and you know the next scene is them going to this guy's apartment and everything like that and look you know like why is there no concern about what the hell happened to this guy you know from Diana who's supposed to be this like you know valiant you know superhero and she is you know she's so like I guess you know taken like overtaken with the fact that oh here's Steve again I have I have the love of my life back but the superhero side of her is not existent here. Why is she not concerned about the fact that they're in some dude's apartment looking around and they're like, oh my God, like that this, you know, this guy has a life and a family and all this other stuff. And oh my God, like he's not here anymore. Steve's here now taking over his body and his being and everything about him. There's no concern for the fact that this guy might have a family who doesn't know that he just, well, she got her wish. Her wish was she wanted more time with Steve. And then when it pans around, she doesn't see that guy anymore. She just sees Steve. And right. And, but you're right, though. Nobody, like, even thinks twice about whatever happened to this guy. But then you mentioned that his watch was in her apartment. How did he get his watch back? No, no. He was using the watch that the guy it that he that took. that guy's watch. He just took that guy's modern 1980s. Watch oh, yeah. It didn't have a calculator. I'm being smart. Ass, I thought she looked at yeah. it. And I thought that was his <laughs> actual watch. So now my thing is: so now it it panned over. Now it's Steve, but it's really not Steve. It's like what she perceives. They kiss. So now she's technically kissing another guy. 
not Steve because it's not Steve's body. So then they walk like around Monu- uh, Washington Monument and she's asking, him, oh, what do you remember? And they walk together, blah, blah. They end up going back to the guy's apartment, like Sean says. And he's like, I woke up like this. And then I used the phone book to find your apartment. And then you weren't at your apartment. So then I stalked you and I followed you to work. And then I followed you to the party. And now I'm a creep. And she was like, <laughs> and he, that's what he basically says. And then he's like, doesn't know how to use an exercise bike. Cause he's like, I try to use this bike, but it wouldn't move. Yeah. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, I, I think they made a Netflix TV show about this called you just saying. Yeah. Yeah. You lost me. There. About this guy. who about. He, he pretty much <laughs> stalks this girl and becomes friends, but like is still stalking her. And that's pretty much what Steve did. Just stalked her at her apartment. I thought you I thought I thought you were talking about the exercise. I bike. mean if you want to stalk oh. an exercise bike, I don't know how far <laughs> it's gonna go or if it'll call the cops on you if you're looking in the window. No, I thought I thought you were referring to a possible show about a guy who doesn't know how to use an exercise bike. That's even funnier. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now, after he basically admits to being a crazy stalker, uh, it goes over. It goes back to Max's office, and he has the stone, and he wishes to be the stone, or like he wishes the stone to become him. So then there's like magic, dust, flies, woo 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 woo, and then you're like, uh oh, what does that mean? So then <laughs> in the morning. Barbara wakes up and she's like, oh, man, I just slept with Max. And she walks over to the fridge to get a glass of water or something. And she just rips the fridge door open because now she has super strength. Then it ends up going back to uh, Diana's office or this guy's apartment. I don't know. They didn't really clarify. But they're basically her and this Steve character are in the same bed implying that they slept together. So now, not only did she kiss somebody who wasn't Steve, she now probably slept with somebody that wasn't Steve. Well, I think it's very unclear. Like, you're interpreting it as, like, she's only seen this guy as Steve, but it's not Steve. I think it's a thing where Steve completely consumed this guy, and everybody in the world right now in this timeline also sees this guy as Steve, not just her. Well, I'm going to maybe clarify something if you missed it. In the apartment scene, which I did not uh, say, he looks into the mirror uh, and that's it's right. this guy. It's not Very Steve. Right, so that. you're right, you're right. that's just my baby yeah. dad. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so then they go, oh, I have to go find the stone. And she's like, yeah. We have to go find the stone. And then the scene, the next scene flashes to Barb, Barbara going to the gym. And she's in, she's in this like blue outfit. Like, I don't know if this is how people worked out in the eighties, but she's oh, yeah, in this little did. outfit. Hell yeah, and then did. she picks up like a five pound weight and she's like, nah, that's too light. She picks up another weight, She's like, nah, that's too light. Then she picks up like a 55 pound, like curl. And she's just like doing it. No problem. And then she just picks up a bar with like, mad dumbbells on each side just like lifts it no big deal and all the whoa, people in the gym are like what? Whoa, you don't put dumbbells on a bar. Whatever, doesn't matter. Those are plates. <laughs> Either way. Come on, she Andy, puts that's true. On this. <laughs> so then it goes back 
to Max and he's in Simon's office and the scene leads to Max leaving and the IRS comes in and he's like, is everything okay? He's like, this is a tax problem. Get out of here. So then I guess Max had a wish that Simon, the guy who threatened him in the 48 hours to get his money back, is now getting audited or he's going to get arrested for evading taxes or something. Um, then this scene, I was like, okay, this is definitely an 80s scene. They do like a, a Barbie and Ken dress-up scene for uh, Steve. And they just keep throwing different clothes on. He keeps posing and they're just like making fun of each other, which was like legitimately seven or eight minutes long. Well, again, back to what I was saying before, they're in this dude's apartment and they're trying on his clothes to see what looks good on him. And there's like no thought to like, shit, I'm in some other dude's apartment. (laughs) But if you think about it and you look at it, that scene actually, uh, that scene got to me because... If you remember in the first one, Steve has to dress Diana because she can't walk around in the Wonder Woman outfit. Oh, yeah. Uh, and now, see, I didn't even... This scene, like she's dressing him because he can't walk around looking the way he's looking. And not even this specific scene, but, like, you know, in the first movie, he's just showing her the world, like, everything going on in the world, and she's, like, this giddy kind of kid, this naive, like, kid almost, who's seen things for the first time. And now you fast forward 70 years later and the rules are reversed. Yep. Yep. So then uh, Diana takes him on like a stroll of the city and he doesn't know what an escalator is. So he's kind of like scared of the escalator. He sees a subway for the first time. gets a little scared. He sees like break dancers and punk rockers with like mohawks and stuff. And he's just like, what is going on? Well, he thinks the the break dancers are like some kind of fighters. And she's like, no, no, they won't. (laughs) And then, and then he goes. They she takes him to the NASA exhibit, and he's just so confused. He's just sitting there, just so confused. Well, he's confused, but at the same time, he's like, you know, he's a pilot, so he's super happy and like excited that all these advances had been made. Like he's like a giddy little, you know, nerdy kid that's like, oh my god, this happened. Oh my god, that's so cool. You know? Yeah. So after that, it goes back to Max, and he we end up going back to his office, and his phones are ringing off the hook, and his uh, his secretary is like, "I need help! I need help!" And he touches her, and he goes, "Say it again." I wish I needed help, and then all of a sudden, like these random people start popping up in the building, going, "I'm here for an interview! I'm here for an interview! I'm here for an interview!" And he's like, "You're hired! You're hired! You're hired! You get a job, and you get a job, and everybody." Gets a job. The first one was Mel Oprah. He just started everything off. He's like, you know what? You're hired. You're hired. You're hired. You're hired. You know what? Just do whatever she needs. I'm out of here. Uh, Andy, we're losing. Still there? Yeah. And now we're here. Yeah. All right. So we'll move on. Back to Barb. She's at work and everyone's giving her attention. All the people that ignored her the day before, two days before, they all are giving her attention and Steve and Diana uh, walk in so Barb and Steve meet each other for the first time and they basically are like alright we need the stone and Barb goes well you know uh, Max was here and he's borrowing it and you know it was just a fantastic night but we'll talk about that later because now she's and he donated all this money and da 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 and he should be able to do what he wants yep so then all of a sudden 
off to Max they go. So then you see Diana and Steve end up at Max's and Max's office and the building surrounded by all these different people. And I guess now because he's rich and the oil, his oil rigs are filled and all this stuff. And so they go and sneak through this garage door and Diana goes to, to pull the lock open and it's not working. And normally she has like super strength. So this is the first time they kind of show that maybe her powers are weakening, but you don't know why yet. So they, they get into his office and she reads like the engraving that's on it. And she realized that the stone is, was God created. So she calls Barb to see um, where the stone was found. She's like, I need you to find where the stone was, you know, originally found. So um, Steve finds a plane ticket and Max ends up going to Cairo. And Steve is like, wait, you can travel that fast in a day? And Diana's like, yeah, 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 obviously. And she goes, well, Steve, you, we can't fly because you don't have a passport. All right. So now I'm going to go into another scene that I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening? So they go into this like runway airport thing hangar and it just seems that Diana has access to the entire hangar. Well, because that's all part of the Smithsonian and she works at the Smithsonian. But the Smithsonian has a runway? Well, there's like a, there's, if I'm not mistaken, um, one of the airports down there has a hangar with all the old like um, I don't know if you want to call them antique planes. Well, the old, all the old, like um, no, all the old planes from like over the decades. Oh uh, well, it just made it seem very nonchalant. Like she just walks in, flashes her badge. They walk right up to a plane, and he goes, "That one." They jump in. He's like, "Ooh!" And he basically figures out how to drive, fly this plane in like ten seconds. That was a huge issue for me. This this dude hasn't flown anything in seventy years, and all of a sudden he could. And that obviously wasn't like a plane from you know the the you know the World War One era, like that was a, you know it was probably not a 1980s plane, but it was a much more recent plane than what he's used to. And he just looked at it and was like, "Oh yeah, all right, here you go, push this button." Yeah. So then. Basically, they start the plane and the air traffic control people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. And they try to stop them and they basically put a barricade. And as they're about to take off, Diana's like, I have these magic powers and now I'm going to make the plane invisible. And he's like, he's like, what? And she goes, I tried to I did it on a on a cup of coffee once and I lost it. And he's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think there's more to it than that. Like. I, you know, it's funny because, you know, when, when, you know, Gina and I were watching this, like five or 10 minutes before this scene happened, you know, Gina goes, you know, how, when are they going to introduce the invisible plane and how are they going to do it? And so that's what they did here. And it wasn't just like, oh, yeah, a cup of coffee, blah, 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 made a cup of coffee disappear. You know, the whole thing of it was, if you remember in the first movie, her father used the power to make things invisible, like basically. He made the island that they live on disappear to protect them from the outside world so nobody could find them. And she had been trying to figure out and be able to use that power basically her entire life. So this is her finally coming to like a realization that she could use that power. And I guess if you're, if you're thinking about it from like, how are they going to tie this in logically? Like she's not just going to have this invisible plane like, you know, like back in the day in the comics and the old cartoons and stuff where 
it just looks like she's sitting there and spying with nothing around her. But, you know, I, I thought it was a neat way for them to bring in the indivisible plane in kind of a logical sense in the world of the movie. I was actually reading that the director didn't, they said that this is not her invisible plane. They basically said that they wanted, like you just said, they wanted to show the power that she has because of her father, but this is not her invisible plane because they didn't want to, they didn't want to make it, uh, it hers so that they would have to do like toys well, and stuff I, from I it. I think I, I read something so, similar and I think what she was getting at was that she didn't want it to be spoiled because what happens is when they make these movies, you know, you know, while they're in the middle of production, you know, the toy companies start making the toys for the movie. And a lot of times movie characters and villains and costumes get spoiled once the pictures of the toys get out online or they get put in the stores. So what I heard that she had said, her mindset was she didn't want this to leak. She didn't want them to start having toys of invisible planes and stuff like that. So that this scene would get linked she, or get leaked. She wanted everybody to kind of experience this scene as it was happening and not be expecting it at all. Yeah. Okay. All right. But still, I don't think it's her plane. Cause you know, obviously in the comic book, she has like her but own that's what legit I'm saying. plane. Like, how are they going to, how do they do that? I guess in, in kind of a real world movie scenario type of deal, you know what I'm saying? Like a live action deal. I think if this is the, the their way of doing the invisible plane, like yeah, maybe this isn't her invisible plane. Maybe she never has an actual like her own invisible plane, but she has the power to make like whatever craft she's in invisible. Essentially, that's what it is. Yeah. So when they finally get into the air, they reveal that it's the Fourth of July. And they start flying through fireworks. And Steve is like, whoa, this is cool. And that scene was about eight minutes of them just flying in circles. So, yeah. So once they move forward with that scene, Barb ends up finding out information on the stone. And, you know, she, she's like, okay, I found the information. I'm going to go home now. So she's walking home. And, you know, some guys are harassing her. But she ends up running into the guy who harassed her in in the previous scene and she stops and she's like, are you talking to me? And then he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm talking to you, blah, blah, blah. And then she's just like, you know what? Fuck this guy. And she starts beating his ass and just like throwing him down and just kicking him in the face. And it was kind of like, whoa, okay. And, <laughs> and then the homeless guy ends up, the same homeless guy ends up showing up and he's like, Barb, what are you doing? And he's like, she's like, mind your business. And now she has powers, and so now she's using her powers to just be a little bit evil. Well, A, the dun, guy dun, deserved dun. it. And B, you know, the, the thing with the homeless guy is, like, you know, essentially saying, like, Barbara, this isn't you. Like, you're not this heartless, ruthless person. You know that guy deserved it. This guy's seeing a character change in her, and he's very taken aback by it. Yeah. Yep. And then, so from there, right, after you see her beat this guy's ass, it shows Max, and he's in Cairo, and he's actually with the guy in, uh, that he was looking at in one of the magazines in, in the picture, in the scene that he was looking through, like, his uh, past like a, due bills like and stuff. There was a magazine. And this is the guy so he ends up 
clearly is like the big oil tycoon that he wants to be like. He wants to be in that guy's position. Yeah. So basically, he tells him, you know, uh, wish whatever you want to wish. And the guy is basically like, I want to divide the country. Summarizing here. So he's like, all right, I want to divide the country. And Max goes, okay, now give me all the oil that you have. And the guy's like, ha, I don't have oil. So Max is like, you know what? Fuck you then. I'm taking your whole security, um, your whole security squad. Good luck uh, defending yourself when the country's divided. So, and then that scene ends. So then, so now this is like one of the parts that the the movie kind of picks up a little bit. So they never show you, they never show Diane, Diana and Steve landing or anything, but they show Steve and Diana are in a taxi and they just so happen to be on the same road that Max and his little uh, bandwagon of goons are driving the opposite way. And Diana's like, I'll give you money for the car. So she throws money at this taxi driver and they just leave him on the side of the road and they go to follow, follow Max and his group of uh, lackeys, I guess. So, you know, they, they notice and then they start shooting at him and stuff and – Diana magically has her Wonder Woman outfit and then starts running after these trucks while Steve is like following from behind and they're shooting at her and, you know, she's dodging most of it and deflecting most of it. And then um, she protects Steve. So then a bullet goes past her as she's trying to deflect and she takes her lasso because it's heading to Steve. She takes her lasso and whips it back, catches a single bullet. And then just like whips it to the side. It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. Um, so then she eventually gets shot. And she's like hiding underneath the truck. And Steve ends up, you know, catching up to the, to one of these trucks that looks like almost like a tank. And he gets in the tank. He takes control of the tank and like, you know, you know, punches people and stuff. And then all of a sudden, this part was cool. Wonder Woman, while she's underneath the truck the other trucks are shooting at it to try to get to her. She ends up pulling the axle of the car down into the ground, which then launches the car up and it shoots her launches super high in the sky. And she ends up landing right on Max's truck, like right on the hood. And he's looking at her and she's like, where's the stone? And he goes, I am the stone. And she doesn't really understand it at that point. And then she's getting shot at and stuff. So she ends up jumping to another truck and gets pinned between two driving tanks and they're trying to pin her and squish her together and she's holding the, the tanks tank slash trucks apart with her feet and Steve basically ends up driving the tank that he's in between the two to prevent them from uh, from squishing her and now another part of what you would call an 80s unlucky predicament is that they're driving down the road and now there's kids in the road and they're like, oh, my God, there's kids. And this is, like, in the middle of fucking nowhere, like, in the middle of the desert. And they've been driving this whole time with no people, no houses, no cars. And they just so happen to pull up where there's, like, three kids in the road playing ball. So then Steve and Diane are looking at the kids, looking at each other, looking at the kids. Steve pulls a rocket out of nowhere. And he's like, yup. And he fucking launches this rocket toward the kids, mind you. She takes her lasso. And la- uh, latches onto the rocket, which is now shooting her toward the children. And then she, she like shoot, she like moves the rocket over so it explodes to the side. Goes to sweep up the kids with her lasso as she does like a Spider-Man swing. 
but ends up losing grip. And she ends up falling on the ground in front of the cars anyway. And all the cars kind of evade her. And Steve's truck ends up, like, stopping sideways and almost hitting her. And then, obviously, Max and his little goons end up getting away because of it. Anything you guys cool. want to say on nice that? Because that was kind of a cool scene. I think it was a little long and drawn out. But a lot was going on. And, you know, it wasn't bad for what it was. They, I think they could have you know, tighten it up a little bit, but that's just a very picky thing that I'm, that's just very picky on my end, I guess. Yeah. So, because she got slammed, um, Wonder Woman was wounded, and then they end up walking through the town up this little ramp, and they look over the city, and... You know, you hear on the news stations saying, oh, Max has amassed half of the oil in the world. And it's like this, you know, basically the world's going to shit and like everyone's panicking and stuff. Um, And then this this scene I had a little issue with. All of a sudden, Diana is on a payphone in Cairo. And she ends up calling Barb, who's in D.C., looking for information on the stone. How in 1984 were they able to use payphones to call out of country? She I don't a, think that was the those, thing. Um, those, um, those international calling cards in her back pocket. Yeah, why not? In 1984? <laughs> okay, all right. Oh, whoa, daddy, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let them boys explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the comfort of your phone and or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. They say that the stone is traveling from person to person, destroying civilizations on the way. But now they have to go to some Mayan hippie guy who knows about the stone who also lives in dc next to a galaxy records so i don't really know how that goes but um so basically diana's like all right i'll meet you there again she's in cairo so how the fuck is that gonna work so diana and barb end up getting to this place that's next to galaxy record at the exact same time and uh yeah so this guy is frank the mayan who ends up liking wrestling because he actually has a pro wrestling uh, magazine. Uh, <laughs> so basically the whole scene is that he says, if you destroy the stone, the stone things go back to normal and every wish uh, ends up taking your most valuable possessions. And so that kind of explains why Diana's losing her powers because she made the wish to get Steve back. So they basically, uh, then Diana's like, well, Steve, uh, Max said that he is the stone. So they realize that they have to destroy Max in order to get things back into order. 
And Barbara's like, I don't want to do that. I don't like that idea at all because obviously, one, she has powers now. And two, she has a thing for Max. So in the scene, Diana's talking, Diana's talking, and she looks up and Barbara is gone. Yeah. And you, and you go back to, um, you know, the wit, Diana's wish is taking her powers away because that's her most kind of uh, valuable possession. But with Barbara, this thing is taking her humanity which mm-hmm. was kind of like her that, that, you know, she was a very like, you know, as much as she overlooked in life, she was a very sweet person. And now that's mm-hmm. all being taken away from her. She's becoming this ruthless, you know, person. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And right here, it just shows the perfect um, character building wise, because he, just like you just said, here, she, before she was nothing. Now she's growing into becoming, quote unquote, the second Wonder Woman. Um, she doesn't want any of that taken away from her. She doesn't want to go back to the person that she used to be. And like, who can blame her? Like, you got like every from where she was when she started to being this almighty, powerful person. Why, who would want to go back to being a nobody? Right. Who wants to go back to being invisible to everybody else? Very true. So after the scene, it ends up going back to Max's office and, you know, everyone's going crazy. He has all these employees now. The phones are going off the hook, blah, blah, blah. And he's basically he has a, um, a waiting list of people that are there to meet him so they can grant he can grant wishes. So he's granting wishes left and right. And you could see it's taking a toll on him. His son comes in and his son, you know, is talking to his son and his son goes, I wish I can have my dad's goodness. So Max is now trying to talk to people into wishing th- things for him. Like uh, he goes up to one guy. He's like, oh, uh, wouldn't you want me to – don't you wish for me to have a meeting with the president? And he goes, yeah, that sounds cool. But And then Max is like, oh, I already granted your wish. Yesterday he goes, yeah, you already granted my wish, a Lamborghini. So basically he can only do one wish per person. So he basically goes to a bunch of people until – he ends up, you know, wishing that he can have a meeting with the president. He gets into his car and he goes to the driver and he goes, don't you wish that there was no traffic and every every car would move out of the way like the parting of the Red Sea? And the guy's like, yeah, I do wish that, but that's unlikely. So then you see the city and the city's a big mess. There's people everywhere. There's farm animals, animals everywhere. And it's just like this this giant mess of a everyone's wishes coming true and it's just it's you could see how what's happening and none of it's good so back at diana's apartment steve sees his watch and he realizes what needs to be done but diana's refusing to listen and they go to her like tv security room and that she like watches over the the city like security cameras and she sees max's car driving toward the White House and you could see cars parting as this car is going down the road. So they're realizing that, yep, they need to go to the White House. Um, yeah. Yeah, I... So with this, I think it's starting to finally settle in her head like, I'm not ready to give you up. There's got to be another way. Um... And Max telling his son, like, don't use one wish to get things that you already have, I think was big. It was kind of like him trying to say, like, I'm trying to protect you. Hold on to your wish for something that you really want. 
And in when they're like in the room with the security cameras, Steve actually sees like the golden armor that you see on um, the commercials. And instead of Diana explaining it to her to him, she basically wraps the lasso around him and says that it can actually not only get people to tell the truth, but it can also tell like history. So you see like the history of the of the the golden. Um, armor about how like a great warrior took it to you know protect the the amazons i guess you can call them and she fought off armies and you know you just see this person with the with the wings around her get protected from like all these swords and stuff so that was kind of a, a foreshadowing of what's going to happen bro fought off armies it looked like she was fighting off 300 well yeah that's true <laughs> so okay so what's next here? So Max now ends up at the White House and he's convincing the president to give him control. And so he's like, all right, Mr. President, what do you what do you wish for? And the president's like, I want more nukes. I want more power. And I want the nukes closer to me because then they'll listen to me. And Max is like, OK, I'll give you all that. And he goes, but you have to give me power and you have to give me respect and the same clearance levels that you have as the president. So he's like, okay. So then as he's walking out, he sees these satellite plans, and, he, and he's like, what is this? And the president's like, oh, that's a way that we can reach the world globally. We can reach everybody. And Max is like, yes, that's what I want. So as he's walking out uh, with this – Max is walking out with his security, and then Wonder Woman and, and Steve are there, and they end up walking into them. So there's like a fight with the security guards, and you know it shows Wonder Woman's badassness, and she's whipping her lasso around, and Steve's smashing people with like what looks like cookie sheets, and you know they're going back and forth, back and forth, and Max keeps getting away, getting away, but then all of a sudden, Barb pops up. And smacks Wonder Woman and, you know, beats her up because obviously Barb has full powers and Diana doesn't because of Steve being there. So then she ends up actually, you know, beating uh, Wonder Woman's ass. She's left like all wounded and she's like, I will not let you hurt him because I'm going to protect him. And so now Wonder Woman's all wounded and, you know, then there's a quick scene of – People in the overall office saying, oh, nukes are about to be launched. There's more mess in the streets. And Wonder Woman is is stressing like, oh, my God, what do I do? They show um, Cheetah or Barb get into the plane with Max or the helicopter with Max as they're heading to the facility where the satellites and where they can do the, the projection to show the world the, the wishes. And so what, now it goes back to Wonder Woman and Steve and they're in the streets and Wonder Woman's finally realizing that she has to leave Steve in order to get her powers back. So they have this like heartfelt moment and he's like, you never uh, – I don't want to lose you. And she's like, you already lost me. I'm not really here. And you know they kiss and all that stuff. And as she's walking away, she's like, I'll never love again. And she renounces her wish. And within two seconds, she gets all her powers back and she's running as fast as like freaking Flash – and she takes her lasso. Spider-Man whips it up into the air onto some <laughs> building. Gets launched up into the sky. And she's like floating. And then she does another lasso whip. Catches a plane. And just like launches up even higher. And then she's like, oh shit, wait. I can fly. And as she's like realizing she could fly. She can hear like Steve's voice kind of, 
giving her like words of encouragement. And then she goes like lasso, lasso, lasso whip and then launches her lasso forward. And now she is flying into the direction of Max and Barbara. So, I mean, so I have a love hate relationship with this entire scene. And here's why. Yes. I love, 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 love the character build on Cheetah throughout this entire movie. How she's now strong. She's desired. She doesn't want to go back, like I said before, to being a nobody. So it continues to show um, what she's willing to do for it. Um, is causing her to lose her humanity and passion because that was her greatest strength. For Diana, her wish to be with Steve is costing her her strength and her power. And she doesn't want to give up being, she would give up everything to be with Steve. But Steve's like, listen, I had my time. Now it's time for you to go out and do what you do best. Just let me know. I'm already dead. She's like, fine. When she lets him go, when she's, first off, I love this nod to the original TV show with her running down the street and everything starting to heal and her starting to get her powers back. I hate the fact that she can fly, but that just might be me not knowing everything about the Wonder Woman history because, like, she had an invisible jet. I thought she couldn't fly for the longest, but then she can fly now. But now I'm thinking that because she's so angry that she not lost Steve one time, but now lost him twice, her anger is now fueling her power more so to giving her the ability to fly and give it, having her become stronger and stronger. That's part of it. I think a lot of it is emotion driven, um, but she did fly. Wonder Woman can fly. That's a thing. She hasn't used it yet. Um, but if you know, if you go back to like, you know, when, um, when they get into the plane in the beginning or earlier on in the movie and she's questioning whether or not he could fly, how is he, can he fly this plane? And he's like, oh, whatever, you know, you get it up there and it's just, you know, it's just like the wind and the air and the currents and you just go with it. So I think a part of that is she got herself way up there. She's so full of emotion. He's on her mind. And I think it goes back to, you know, she's thinking, going back to what he was saying about you let the like the wind and the current kind of take you and you just be with it. She gets all the way up there and that's what she's doing. She's going with the air and the current and the wind and all that stuff. So I think, yeah, a lot of it is emotionally driven. But again, you know, like I was saying earlier about I thought it was a neat little way to introduce the invisible jet. I think this is kind of a a neat little way for them to introduce the fact that she can fly. My major issue with this, okay, this is 1984 and she's figuring out she could fly. But 20 years later, 20, 25 years later, she couldn't fly in Batman League. But she didn't have the emotional power to be able to to push her to that. Come on, Andy. You don't think she would have perfected it in thirty years? I mean, what what would have what would have given her that uh, that ordeal? She lost Steve again, and Batman versus Superman. Yeah, she lost Superman, but they already defeated. Um, um, oh wow, Doomsday. They already defeated Doomsday, and Doomsday already killed Superman. So the fight was over. Here, the fight is still going. She's now super pissed because now she's heartbroken for a second time. 
that's fueling her power to be able to get to where she needs to go. But I don't think the fact that her being able to fly is an emotionally driven thing. Her finally learning to fly is an emotionally driven thing. But let's continue. (laughs) Because we're closer to the end than we're not. So then we go back to Max's helicopter. And Barb wishes to be unlike anyone else. And she wants to be an apex predator like Randy Orton. I hear voices in my head. They talk to me. Uh, and that was the sound of all of our listeners. Turning sorry, guys. So we continue the movie. Uh, they get to the island where the secret transmissions are being, uh, you know, sent throughout the world. Um, he gets into position in like almost like a, a presidential like stand and they get ready to broadcast and they go live and he basically tells everyone to make a wish and then it shows like a little scene of people making wishes saying i wish i was famous i wish this one woman would drop dead i wish for a million dollars and it just goes on and on and on and on so but here's my thing with this is like here's my thing with this is that you know a little bit of a plot hole i thought you i thought he had to touch you or you had to like physical some kind of physical contact for him to grant your wish. Listen, I don't make the movies, but I get what you're saying. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> all right. So then Diana's flying all great. She's like, look at me. I can fly. And she goes home. And she grabs her golden armor. And then she goes, okay, let me go get the bad guys now. So she then finds this island. How? How does she find the island? I don't know. So, she's a superhero man come on how does she find the <laughs> island so then she's flying into the island and the guns are shooting at her and you know she's using the armor to block it and everything and she lands and she's fighting the security pow, 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 and it's pretty cool pretty badass scene and then from the darkness cheetah appears barbara appears but now she's not barbara anymore she's full of you know hair and she looks more like a cheetah and has the stripes and everything She's full-blown cheetah, bro. She's full-blown cheetah. So they face off in the in the battle of the movie. The face-off. So cheetah damages, uh, you know, Wonder Woman. She damages her wings. So Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman's like, fuck it. I'm taking these wings off. They eventually fall into this water. <laughs> and there's sparks from the wires all over the place. And she begs Barbara to renounce her wish. She ref- And then Barbara's like, fuck you, bitch. And the... <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, okay, I'm sorry. And the wa- the wires fall into the water, and Wonder Woman pulls them both underneath as Barbara gets electrocuted. Hey. Okay, but now my, my question is, how the fuck did Wonder Woman not get electrocuted? She's wearing a metal armor. She's a, su- she's a superhero, man. Oh, my gosh. She got, she got her powers back, and she's even more powerful now than she was before because she's full of emotional oh rage. Oh, my God. Hey, Rob's son, the aunties are fighting out in the backyard again. Oh. <laughs> First off, Wonder Woman straight up killed Cheetah. <laughs> Sean, Sean got it. Wonder Woman straight up kills Cheetah. Yeah, pretty much. But doesn't kill Cheetah. Well, we'll get to that. Okay, keep going. All right. So Wonder Woman makes her way inside 
and Max is granting wishes, and he's going, "Your wishes granted. Your wishes granted." <laughs> Everybody gets a exactly. wish. <laughs> but now, what we find out is that when he's granting wishes, he's actually hurting himself. But now that he's granting wishes for people amongst the world, he is basically taking a part of them because when he grants a wish, he takes something important from them. And he's taking, I'm assuming, the health and well-being because from the previous scene to now, he's looking healthier. So essentially he's healing himself. So Diana's running to him, but the wind that was you know thrusting through people's hairs earlier is now preventing Wonder Woman from getting – Closer to him. Proverbial wind spot. Yep. So then he's like, haha, I'm going to take my clothes off. And he starts like taking his jacket off and taking his tie off. And instead of standing on the pedestal, like the little like uh, whatever gimmick, Diana like takes her lasso, pulls the camera away. And he's like, all right, I'm good. And he walks toward this like blue light that apparently makes him his transmission even more powerful. So then he just keeps doing the same shit. Make wishes. It's only true power. It's only what you need. And she's like, what? And she's, you know, she's asking him to stop. And then all of a sudden, he's like, she's like, you know, you need to renounce your wish. And he's like, I'm not renouncing my wishes. And she's like, I'm not talking to you. And she has his, her lasso wrapped around his legs. And that blue light now t- turns to golden light. And I guess because it's that light is like transmitting to everybody. So everyone can now hear her, which is a big plot hole. I'll get to that. So everyone's hearing her going, you know, it's not worth it. Renounce your wishes. And people are slowly starting to renounce. And then all of a sudden it shows a glimpse into Max's past and he's getting made fun of his for being poor. His dad is, he's getting yelled at by his dad and it shows him like kind of working his way up professionally And then all of a sudden he sees like the destruction he's causing and then boom, he hears his son because his son is running scared because, you know, there's about to be missiles to be launched and all this shit. So here is his son and his son's screaming for him. And all of a sudden now you're seeing missiles being launched by all these different countries and you hear all these sirens and, and you see a bunch of military people looking like, oh shit, the world's about to end. And Max finally renounces his wish. And runs to find his son as everything starts to go back to normal. Because that's what was, you know, we're talking about, you know, the wishes taking things from people. At the end of the day, was this was taken away from Max, his most prized thing. You know, even though he was power hungry and obsessed with, you know, success and all this stuff. His most prized thing is his son. And when all this was taken away from him was his relationship with his son and the well-being of his son. Mm-hmm. You know? So then you see Barbara, who uh, she's not dead, <laughs> and but she's back to normal. She's back to normal Barbara. She's not a cheetah anymore, but she's on top of a cliff, and she's looking real pissed, and she's looking into the sunset. And now you see Max running, looking for his son, and he finds his son, and he's like, I'm a loser and a liar, and I'm a bad dad. And his kid goes, well – you don't need to make me proud, Dad. I love you because you're my dad. And then they hug. And it's like, oh, this sweet moment between a son and a father. And then you and you hear and sirens. You know, and you know, yeah, they don't show it, but that dude's going to jail. No, 100% going to jail. <laughs> and 
how was his son on the island with him? Like, I think actually, I think he got dropped off by a helicopter. If I remember, the son. I don't know. I don't think they were on like an island. I think just I just think they were on some. I I don't know. I could be wrong. They were just like on some coast, like some. I don't freaking know. I'm just gonna stop. I don't know. So now we're heading to the last scene of the actual movie. So again, the movie was kind of taking place around July 4th, they said, because of the fireworks and all this stuff. So now we fast forward to about probably this time. It's holiday time. And the world seems to be back to normal. Diana's walking through this like Christmas wonderland. And she's just smiling. And then these kids hit her with a snowball. And they're like, hee, hee, hee. And she's like, it's okay. And then all of a sudden, the guy. Fuck those kids <laughs> up. Then all of a sudden, the guy who Steve took his body over appears, and they smile at each other. And Diana compliments his outfit, and he goes, "Wow, thanks. My friends make fun of me all the time with my outfit." And well, that was the one outfit that Steve tried on that she liked. Yes, yes. And then he says, "Happy holidays," and walks off. And then there's a bunch of scene, bunch of like shots of everyone just all the happy families and everyone's smiling and everyone's so happy and the world is back to normal and no one notices anything that happened. And then all of a sudden she smiles and watches a balloon float into the sky and then boom, 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 the title screen flashes, Wonder Woman 84. What the fuck? Well, I mean, she already slept with the Steve dude, so I mean, she's got a connection with him now. Well, she's or either that or she's like been there, done that. Impressed. <laughs> um, like I've been in this dude's apartment. That's not my. Um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not on the same level as um, this dude is with his. Uh, <laughs> and plus, she said you would fight yeah. the little kid that threw the snowball. If Wonder Woman threw a snowball at a little kid, she'd probably kill him. Probably. Well, serves him right. You don't throw snowballs at strangers. All right, so let me just get the post-credit scene out of the way, and then we can go into it, okay, guys? So the post-credit scene starts with a woman in blue with similar brown hair as Diana, and you see her. You see the um her walking. You see her back walking forward, and you know something falls. She's in like a almost like a a shop, like an outdoor mall kind of thing gimmick thing and a sign falls a pole falls and she catches it with one hand and just like some guy takes it from her and she just keeps walking this woman's like oh my god you saved my baby and then the woman turns around and it's linda carter who is the original wonder woman but she goes she basically was like oh no big deal no big deal and I pick things up and I put them down. Basically. And she's like, just the momentum. Kind of like the same like line that Diana feeds uh, Barbara when she shoves the guy. So then she winks and walks off. But before she walks off, she's like, oh, my name is Asteria. Or how do you say it? Asteria? Yeah. I think it's Asteria, yeah. So she goes, the lady's like, what's your name? She goes, Asteria. It's, it's a name from my culture. And then she winks and walks off. And then it says, like, well, that- Linda Carter. Asteria. Yeah, that was uh, well. That was when Diana was talking earlier when they were in that um, security room in her apartment, and you know, part of the what one of the things she was doing for the last seventy years was trying to find 
Mysterio because they didn't know what happened to her after, you know, the big battle and everything. And they got away from, you know, Mysterio, essentially, she put that armor on and she was kind of a decoy. Everybody was attacking her while the rest of the um, while the rest of the island and all the Amazonians, while they all escaped. And so nobody knew what happened to her. They knew she lived. They didn't know what happened to her. Diana spent all this time on Earth looking for her. Couldn't. And she said, we found, you know, I found her armor, but we could never find her or any traces of her. So here she is. She's still alive and well. Yep. And that is the end of the post credit scene. Andy, anything you want to add on that? that post credit scene was awesome. Um, I was waiting the entire, like, I didn't know that Linda Carter was in the movie. But I was waiting to see, like, at least, like, either something, like, representing, like, the Justice League or Batman or Flash to kind of tie the movie into there. So when I saw Linda Carter and they named her as, like, the original, almost the original Wonder Woman to wear that golden suit, I thought that was awesome. Indeed. Yep, I agree. I agree. So... All right. So that was basically the movie, right? All right. Sorry, my words are kind of... You're lost for a little. After... Yeah, they're like almost lost because I waited till the actually the credits ended thinking that there was going to be something there and there wasn't. Because again, like you said, I thought it was going to tie in or something like that and it didn't tie in at all. Like honestly, this kind of came off as like a standalone. There's there was nothing to associate it with anything Batman vs Superman Justice League nothing, it and like honestly it didn't even feel like it was really connected to the first one besides Steve. Well, it's seventy years later, and I had read I had read today that I mean a I don't know if you guys saw they announced uh, that they are going to be doing the third movie. They announced that earlier today. They did. Um, and also, I read something from Patty Jenkins, you know the woman who made the movie that she didn't want to do a post credit scene that ties in with everything else because everybody else is doing that. She did want this to be kind of a standalone thing. And being that they're going to have a third movie now, we could only assume that that third movie is going to probably take place, you know, however many years in the future. And that will probably likely tie in to Batman, Superman, or the rest of the DC universe from, you know... See, the I still like they should, they should have done something with DC because or some type of post credit deal because if you're going to make the third movie so that means the third movie if it's going to tie in with any of the DC movies that has to come out before the next Justice League movie and so exactly my it's point not going to, so they're going to have the next Justice League movie like are there even plans are there even plans for another Justice League movie aside from the Snyder cut getting released in a few months. Think, I don't think so. I guess probably. Well, I think they're rebooting the entire, the entire series, almost so to speak. I heard, I heard Henry Cavill is like returning as Superman, um, and you still have like the Flash coming out. You still have, um, you still have the new Batman that's coming out, which um, Ben Affleck. Well, that's not. I don't think that's going to have anything to do with any of these movies. Like a year two. From my understanding, that's like oh, a you're right because Ben Affleck is in reprising his role as Bruce Wayne in the Flash movie, right? Yeah, yeah. So I so. mean, there are ties to another Justice League movie, whether or not they do one altogether. But um, I mean, they, I feel like 
if they were going to set something up. But see, this is my problem with DC, is that when DC... It's well, all, exactly. And when DC started, they wanted to be like Marvel, and they rushed everything. They didn't build it from movie to movie to movie, and then they just rushed everything. And now I feel like they're almost going to do the same thing again. Yeah. Possibly. I just think, like, because it was a standalone movie, and it didn't tie in with anything, it's going to have lasting effects to the other movies, whether it wanted to be or not, because again, you would assume that a lot of the people, because Max didn't get destroyed, right? Because he's still the stone. Or what happens now? He said he didn't. He renounces his his wish. His wish was to be the stone. So does the stone get recreated as a stone again? Also, what about the people who didn't renounce their wishes? Because I'm sure out of the people who did make wishes, a lot of them didn't renounce it. So does that lead to now new supervillains for the future or new problems for the future? Kind of like in the Flash cartoon or not the Flash cartoon, the Flash like TV show, that like storm thing that gave all the people powers. Is it going to be like that? Is it going to tie in with Flash like an alternate universe and like all this shit happened in a different alternate universe? compared to the alternate universe that the Justice League happened, like, it's so fucking, com- like, complicated. I don't... And there's so many directions to go into. They could do that, because they def- he, re- he renounced his wish, turned it back. I, From my understanding, I guess the stone would go back to its original form, which means anything that was wished on the stone after that is completely gone. <sighs> But we don't know. That's the thing. And here's the thing, too. Like, it's pretty obvious that Cheetah, you know, Barbara Minerva, she did not renounce her wish, and she's pissed off. So is she going to be a part of the third movie now? And, you know, so one of the big things I think people were excited about, you know, especially older, you know, maybe people who are more familiar with the comics and the origin stories and whatnot, you know, Cheetah's a pretty big villain in the Wonder Woman universe, especially over the last 20 years. Um, you know, there's been different, you know, there's been several different origin stories. For, well, not several different origin stories, but like different people have had the Cheetah character over the years. You know, that character was introduced in the 40s and Barbara Minerva was not even introduced to Cheetah until the mid 80s in the comics. Um, me personally, after seeing how this movie played out, I almost wish they had left Cheetah out of this entirely because I think that there's enough history there where they could drag, you know, and maybe that's what they're, maybe that's where they're going or this is where they're going. There's enough history there, you know, with them being, them being friends, them being enemies them fighting alongside of each other at certain points in the comics that that's like, I feel like the Cheetah character is a multi movie arc. And I think one of the big issues with this movie is a, yeah, it's two and a half hours. They crammed so they tried to cram so much in a two and a half hours. And a lot of it just, it bounced around. It wasn't really, um, there wasn't a, there wasn't a great flow. A lot of it felt, a lot of things felt rush. Other things felt like they were, they kind of dragged on too much. I personally look going back and, you know, after watching this and thinking about it, I think they could have gotten away with maybe Max 
you know, Max doing his thing, but maybe Diana having some kind of a battle, maybe the big bad guy in this movie could have been the god of lies, or I forgot his, what exactly he's called, but basically the guy who created the stone. And that's something they could have tied up here, and, you know, Cheetah could have been used in an entirely different way. Like, the, like the way they introduced Cheetah here, like, it did, it, it, there's little small things here and there. Um, you know, yes, Barbara Minerva in the comics was an archaeologist as well who was jealous of Wonder Woman because, you know, Diana was also an archaeologist. But, all, you know, the real jealousy aspect of it all was that that comes from the original Cheetah character from, like, the 1940s who was, like, a, a British socialite woman who just hated Wonder Woman and was super jealous of her and wanted everything that she had, even though this woman was, like, crazy rich and had everything already. Um... And the Barbara Minerva, Barbara Minerva Cheetah, you know, she became Cheetah because she was on some, like, archaeological dig and cut herself with some, you know, ancient dagger. So I just think overall, maybe Cheetah could have been left out of this or maybe maybe she didn't have to be the big bad. She could have been introduced in this movie, but maybe she didn't have to be, like, one of the main villains of this movie. Does any of that make sense to you guys? I agree. Yeah. So let's give our final opinions on the movie and would we recommend it for people? Like, what do you want to give it a rating? One out of ten? And, like, if you would recommend it or not? I'd say a six out of ten. Like, the movie was entertaining and it had its... It had its... As a comic book fan, you saw different parts that you could relate back to that I think people will enjoy. Um, especially loving um, the first Wonder Woman and seeing how she came on the scene from there. I think people will enjoy it. Um, Yeah, I'd say why not? I recommend watching it. Yeah, I also would say probably a 6 out of 10. For the same reason, overall comic movie, it was like, okay, you get what you get. Um, you want to go a little deeper, they probably could have expanded the storyline a little bit longer, maybe split it into two different movies. I, I'm more of a, I like action in, in, uh, comic book movies. And this really didn't have too much, had like two scenes out of a two and a half hour movie of, of, of action. So that kind of was a little bit disappointing, but yeah, six out of 10, I'd probably give it. The first one was much better though. Yeah, I agree. The first one was much better. Um, I think this was a letdown compared to that one. Um, I prefer good storytelling to action. I can deal with minimal action if the story is really good. And unfortunately, the story didn't do it that well for me. Um, I'm going to have to give this maybe a four or five out of ten. Um, there's a, I could go on and on about just nitpick and pull apart things that I personally didn't enjoy about it. Um, I mean, a big part of how I rate movies is on their, re, you know, their rewatchability level, I guess you could say. And to me, this is not something that I'm going to ever sit down and say, oh, yeah, I want to watch Wonder Woman 2 again or Wonder Woman 84 again. I saw it once. I've seen it. I don't feel like I'm ever going to have the need or the urge to watch it again. And to me, that's a, that's a big deal. Like, there's a lot of Marvel movies that I love going back and watching because they're just freaking awesome movies. They have a little bit of everything. 
this one didn't do it for me. Okay. All right. All right. And Andy, I know that uh, we actually asked on social media. Andy, what is our podcast plugs again? Can you, you tell go on social media and you go in the search column, search disaster party, and most of them, they'll pop up. Disaster party podcast will pop up. You can find us. We're on Instagram, Facebook, you name it. Facebook. TikTok, TikTok, baby. Uh, TikTok, you don't. Stop, stop. Um, also, I wanted to say, um, before we end this, I know we put up a, a lot of stuff about Wonder Woman on social media, and I just wanted to read some of the comments um, that people had about the Wonder Woman movie. Um, one person says, the dreaded C- DC movie failure category, if I'm my two cents, doesn't compare to, cause doesn't compare at all to the first one. Um, another person says they were so disappointed in it. They loved, loved, loved the post credit scene, but the movie was so problematic. Um, another person says that there's a lot of reaching going on story-wise, and it shows in how disjointedly we get from point A to point F. Yep. I agree with all of you. Yep. Thank you for commenting and reaching out and giving us feedback on, on the questions that we ask because we're going to start doing that more often. We're going to little leave a little uh, feedback train that you guys can – we're going to give you the topics we're going to talk about. And if you want to leave any feedback or uh, your opinions on it, we'll add it at the end of each episode. I dig it. I all right, it. all right. So, Sean, anything you want to you wanna say before we head out? About the movie? No. No. Okay. <laughs> well, um, I, I don't think this is necessarily something that we really need to get into much. Um, but I am going to be stepping aside as a regular on the podcast for a while. I have a lot going on in my personal life right now. And, you know, my attention kind of needs to be elsewhere for the time being. Um, with that being said, you know, Andy and Rob behind the scenes have been pulling the weight of this thing. You know, we're only eight episodes in. You know, we start we started discussing doing this podcast. You know, we started throwing around the ideas for this thing about a year ago, and a couple months ago, we just decided, hey, let's just do this finally. And um, you know, things have you know happened over the last couple months. Nothing too bad. Nobody has to worry about me, but my attention just needs to be elsewhere for now. So I think for the time being, you know, I've already missed a couple episodes, and um, you know, I appreciate everybody having me on. I appreciate you guys having me on. I appreciate everybody listening. Um, but for the, for the foreseeable future, I'm probably going to be more of a, uh, reoccurring guest on this thing. But with that being said, yeah, continue to show your love, continue to show your support, especially for Rob and Andy. They are hands down the backbone of this thing. They're the ones pulling all the way and putting all like, you know, more of the effort in behind the scenes. So thank you guys for that. And, um, Yeah. This isn't goodbye. This is just, uh, I'll see you guys from time to time. We're going to miss you, Sean. <laughs> he says that now until we call each other tomorrow while we're at <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's for everyone here that says 
whenever you are on and it's the three of us and the boys ride again, you know, you are always welcome and we always enjoy. I always have fun when it's the three of us because it's just, you know, this is what we started, you know, and I can't wait to see you back and I can't wait to see how big we can all grow. Hell yeah. I'm down. I definitely second that. Word up. All right. So, Andy, let's just do our little plug out. So, again, we've already talked about it. It's called uh, You Want to Follow Us on Social. It's Disaster Party Pod. You can search us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and the TikTok. Uh, if you want to find me, Rob Cedeno, that is C E D E N O, you could find me pretty much on the same platforms Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. And Andy? On you. Instagram, I am. Andy Vivians, that's A-N-D-D underscore, I guess I'll do it again, B-I-V-I-A-N-S. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, uh, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, follow me. All right, and again, this is a little bit of a longer episode, but damn it, this movie was two and a half hours and we we had to go through the whole thing. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Let us know what you think. Do you think we did it justice? Do you think we shit on it too much? Did you guys really love the movie? Please, again, like always, comment, share, review, like, follow. Again, we out. We Disaster Party Boys. This is a Disaster Party Podcast. And adios. See you later. And until next time, peace. Hey, daddy, peace. Oh, whoa, daddy. In a galaxy far, far away, there is one man willing to put his life on the line so that way he is able to save, protect, and bring the child where he needs to go. That's right, ladies and gentlemen of the Disaster Party Podcast. Myself and Rob Sedanio, the Disaster Party Boys, will be talking about The Mandalorian in next week's episode. Whoa, Daddy. Episode 9, it'll be so fine because it's the Mandalorian.